0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call,
0: quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky.
0: Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions
1: apply. See website for details.
2: Welcome back to the Red Sea Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux. Today I am joined by both Brian Joyner and Matt Collins of Over the Monster. Uh, you can find these gentlemen on Twitter at, at @MattRYCollins and at Brian, Joyner. Brian with a Y, Joyner with an I. Welcome back to the show, guys. I'm glad we have the whole crew back. It's uh,
3: it's very fun to have everybody back. I wow. suppose.
0: You sound so pumped, dude. <laughs> and, and by everyone, you just mean me.
2: Yeah, I guess so. You are everyone, Brian. You should know this by now.
0: Thank I'm a little you, Jay.
2: Um, Anyhow, we have uh, a 9-2 baseball team to discuss, one that is currently playing the New York Yankees. Uh, Well, not currently, but in an hour's time or so, uh, they'll be playing the Yankees. Um, And it's awesome. This is an exciting year so far. Um, Last time we talked on the podcast, uh, we still had a healthy Xander Bogarts. Uh, We also had... um, a six-game winning streak that has now been snapped at nine games, um, but a lot has gone right for this club in the early going. Uh, this Yankee series has been incredible. Uh, I was at the game on Tuesday with Sale and Severino. Um, that did not go how I expected at all, but in like the best possible way that it could have gone. And then uh, yesterday's game was really noteworthy, so I want to start off the show by talking about both of those games.
3: Yeah. Tuesday was awesome Wednesday wasn't so awesome. I guess be the quick wrap up. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Brian hashtag analysis from you.
0: <laughs> no that's that's where I'm at too. Oh okay well
2: I guess I'll elaborate with some excitement here. Um, the game was crazy on Tuesday. Uh, sale looked good um, and so I'm now convinced that sale, uh, in the velocity issues that we were talking about last time, Matt are completely up to sale. Because when I was watching him during the game, um, he was throwing his fastball at wildly different speeds depending on the situation, and it was like he knew how to throw almost like a pseudo changeup um, and locate it well uh, during that game. So it was pretty cool. I mean, it was it was weird. Sometimes he'd throw a fastball at like 90, 91. 89 and then when he'd need a fastball high heat in the zone he'd throw 96 so i'm 100 percent convinced that there's nothing wrong with the guy i think that he just has sort of a freakish ability to throw a non-change up change up when he needs to
3: yeah he's kind of always done that he was doing that last year too um it just seemed like his first two games he wasn't getting it up when he wanted to throw it hard he wasn't getting up his eye but um The thing that stood out to me on Tuesday with him was that first inning, he could not throw his slider. Um, He tried to throw a few in the first two at-bats, and it wasn't spinning at all. He wasn't hitting the spots. And then he just went all fastballs for a while and somehow still was able to um, get guys out. And then he got his slider back, which was really encouraging. So we still haven't really seen him at his very best, but... Um, he's still Chris Hill, so he doesn't need to be at his very best to
0: dominate fortunately Matt I, I'll tell you how he got people out he was throwing to strikeout machines <laughs> Stanton yeah. I mean he was up in the first inning right
3: yeah those uh, they are just daring him to hit high fastballs right
2: now that's all he's seen this entire series it's incredible he can't yeah. do anything about it either. It's it's pretty hilarious to watch. Although um, Judge had a really good game on Tuesday. And Wednesday. Judge is uh, I I don't like how good
3: Aaron Judge is. It's, I'm not okay with it.
2: He's way better than I thought. So I thought that Aaron Judge was going to have some sort of swing and miss issues to his game, a la Stanton, things that could be exploited. Um, but it just seems like the guy keeps filling in whatever hole's... There are that exist in his game, and I'm convinced that he is a far better player than Giancarlo Stanton. Ooh,
0: I mean, it's a I little, a little early for that, but I, th- I think he's possible.
3: Yeah, I think he, I say he. I, I think it's fair to say he's better. To say he's far and away, it might be a little extreme, but I see where you're coming from, at least.
0: Yeah, I thought that I hadn't seen. I couldn't remember a, a ball, a home oh run hit the straightaway center in Fenway as far as judges until J.D. Martinez hit it like, <laughs> to the exact same seat the next night.
2: <laughs> I still feel like the, the tape measure shot for this year is that Xander Bogart's home run that I don't know if it still landed.
3: Oh, yeah. The, the, um, over everything?
2: Yeah. just yeah. I mean, that one was on the pike, for sure. Well, yeah, I that didn't was...
0: see Hanley's yesterday, but I heard good things about it.
2: Hanley's wasn't, like, super deep
3: It just, like, it left in a tenth of a second. He just smoked it. He blinked, and it was already in some guy's glove in the monster seats.
2: So I want to get back to uh, the the Chris Sale thing, though, because you mentioned he wasn't able to locate his slider. I noticed that as well. Um, He did get it back later in the game, but it was also cold as shit at that game, so I wonder how much that had to do with it. And then the other thing is... Since he couldn't throw that pitch effectively, he was throwing more change-ups than I typically see from Sale. Do you think that's something that he's going to continue to do, or is that just because he didn't have his slider that day?
3: Um, probably more because he didn't have the slider. Um, but, I mean, you know his thing. He doesn't shake off. It's not really his call. He doesn't shake off the catcher. So I guess if Vasquez thinks that the change-up's working, he's going to throw the change-up. Mm-hmm
0: yeah i think that uh maybe counterintuitively as is velocity i mean if we're talking long term and short term you know change up from what i understand from what i from what thank you lila um from from what i understand um the change up is from a hitter's perspective like the, the last maybe outside of a splitter the last pitch they want to go against so uh it's possible he incorporates it more into his arsenal just um as a fact as a factor of you know just continuing to hone the best stuff he has at any given time uh the one thing i'll say about the cold is that i mean he did not have any problem in the cold last year he just destroyed everyone in april so it's possible any given night that could be it um but I don't know. I mean, I thought he looked. If that was him, not great. That's a great sign for us.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Brian. I think we've been saying we've been seeing Chris Sale at not great Chris Sale so far, and he's still like top five in the American League in ERA and WHIP and on strikeouts and every possible category. Um, so it's nice to see, and I don't think any of us want to see best Chris Sale right now, uh, except for maybe Matt, because I don't remember you saying that. Yeah, but I, I want to see best Chris Sale whenever I possibly can. Okay. <laughs> um, a, a couple more takeaways about that game, though. Um, the offense was awesome, and I was really surprised at how effectively they were able to get around on premium velocity. Um, Severino was pumping 9,900 consistently. Throughout that game, and it seemed like the lineup had absolutely no problem with it. And I have to say, Mookie Betts is not human. Like the, the things that he can do, um, the grand slam that he hit was just ridiculous. Uh, the guy has such fast hands. He seems to see pitches better than anybody not named Trout or Votto. Um, it's just it's a real treat to see him this year. And I think Matt, you wrote a really good article. Uh, Today, about Mookie Betts and how he's performing right now. Can you talk a little about just how ridiculous his performance is right now?
3: Yeah. um, I mean, he's basically doing everything well. He's a little more aggressive in the strike zone, but he's way more aggressive in the middle of the strike zone, which is really what you want to see. Um, sometimes those like z swing rates that you see on bp and fan graphs can be a middle a little misleading because they count pitches in the middle of the zone the same as pitches on the edge of the zone um but for a guy like that's he has such an absurd understanding of the strike zone that he's going to let those pitches on the edge of the zone go by because he knows he doesn't swing and miss he's such a good two-strike hitter that he can afford to be a little more passive and now he's kind of jumping on those early pitches that he was taking last year in the middle of the zone. And I think on Tuesday you really saw what Cora was going for, putting Betts in the leadoff spot and Ben Tendy right, uh, right behind him and getting off to that hot start and putting immediate pressure. That was like the ideal way that would play out. Obviously it's not going to be that good every time, but, man when these guys are all going that lineup is scary
2: yeah it sure is uh i was salivating at the performance of Betts, benintendi and hanley uh, in that lineup and having those having to face those three guys in a row is just like it's going to be a complete nightmare for any pitcher and you, you saw what happened to severino one of the better pitchers in the game um they just, they handled him. And then they handled good relievers as well. Um, So I was a little bit surprised about that. Brian, I want to talk to you about Benintendi because I was super impressed by what I saw from Benintendi on Tuesday. However, you wrote an article recently noting that Benintendi has been far less aggressive than most of the other guys on the team. Uh, Benintendi, also known for having an amazing eye at the plate. But it doesn't seem like he's fully buying into this aggressiveness thing, and he did get off to a little bit of a slow start over the first few games.
0: Well, it was, I didn't say that he was necessarily uh, relatively passive. It was strange because FanGraphs has two sets of um, two sets of pitch recognition numbers and. By one, he was just as aggressive as the rest of the team. But then by the other, he was considerably more passive and swinging it, uh, fewer balls in the zone and much many more out of the zone. However, as soon as I wrote that article, uh, I mean, the game you were at, when he had the, uh, either the double – did he have a double and a triple? He was swinging yeah, away – Right, and uh, definitely the double that was our first pitch uh, that he just drilled, so he's definitely with the program I had gone back and forth with another guy about whether the Red Sox approach was good or not, and then Matt subtweeted us with a big article uh, and I think that the, the problem in, insofar as it was one in the early going with the approach was that they weren't necessarily doing it okay. um, and I think that they are clearly doing it now. I mean, it's working for, I mean, it's definitely working for bets, but as Matt said, he can let pitches go by because he's got, eye. I think, obviously, Hanley has been the biggest beneficiary of it. Um, so it's been good to see, and it was really good to see Bet- Benintendi have more than one solid hit in the game.
2: Yeah, it really was. In that triple, uh, he was absolutely moving around the bases too. I was uh, I was pumped to see just how fast he is in person too. Uh, man, he's awesome. When Benintendi is going this well, Betts is going this well. This is a completely different team. And JD also looked great during that game. So um, pretty much saw everything working well uh, for the club. Also, I have to say, Matt, I was a big-time Hanley doubter coming into this season, but holy shit, I was right next to the Hanley, the uh, on-deck circle, so I get to see Hanley come up to the plate a bunch of times, and I get to watch him take practice swings and whatever. That dude is in shape right now. Holy shit. Like, for him, he is he's ripped. I think this is the best shape I've ever seen him in, in no hyperbole.
3: He's going 30-30, man. You've got to be in good shape if you're going 30-30.
0: He He really seems to be trying for it.
3: He's 100% trying for
0: it. That is crazy to me. Jake, I have a question. You sat sat right behind the on-deck circle. Were you behind the new netting? I was, yeah. Did Did it it, uh, bother you at all?
2: No, I didn't even notice didn't it. Anybody so. that complains yeah. about netting is an idiot because, okay. <laughs> I mean, what, you you don't want your kid to get hit in the face with a fastball? Okay, great. Like, you know, that's that's all anybody can complain about. It doesn't affect the game at all. The netting's awesome. Fenway's awesome. Also, uh, when you sit in those seats, you get beer vendors and hot dog vendors that come over to you, which is great because I always am miffed when I go to Fenway and I have bad seats. Uh, and I'm like, where the hell is the beer guy? You know? Um, but yeah, I didn't realize that there was such a uh, there, there's such a class distinction there at Fenway. It's it's sort of a
0: the people mm. in the upper class tend not to notice that.
2: Yeah, well, I'm not an upper class person, Brian. <laughs> I am clearly posing as 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 uh, the the first estate here to make a French Revolution
0: reference, but um, um, the. Uh... You know, I have to watch the Yankees feed because I live in the New York area. And Paul O'Neill, of all people, was saying really he loves Fenway because um, – and they were showing like the clam chowder vendors. He was yep. saying I love it because it just looks different than any other stadium. Just thought about that because of the vendors, and I thought that was cool.
2: Yeah. No, the, the clam chowder vendor was super active. And honestly, the guy was selling chowder. Like – it was a cold night, and the chowder guy and the uh, hot chocolate guy were killing it. And the I was hot like, chocolate. Yeah, man. Like, I that's, was like,
3: the, that's the most – because they uh, – I read something about this a couple of years ago. The vendors have a draft every day to figure out what, what they're going to sell. And the beginning of the year, the hot chocolate is always the first one to go because they make bank this time of year.
2: They were they were doubling up the cups so that they were like you know the tray can hold a row of hot chocolate right but then they would take a hot chocolate and put them in between the cups so that it was like terrifying. almost a, a pseudo second row there I didn't see any of them drop but oh, um if I was to do a draft though Matt I would pick the hot dogs because hot dogs you're getting five fifty apiece for them everybody's always giving you seven dollars and almost no one ever expects change. So with the other items that are cleanly priced at a dollar, you're not getting as much tip.
0: They don't. They don't sell beer uh, in the aisles, I take it.
3: They do. Um, that was. Uh, that wasn't really part of the draft. Like the super senior guys would just like automatically get the beer.
0: Yeah, I uh, I sold peanuts uh, once at Soldier Field for a Packers Bears game, and in that case, I had to get a temporary union card. Because I was the bottom Hello. of the barrel, I had no choice but to take peanuts. Is peanuts a bad gig? No, it was fine. I made like a hundred bucks in three hours twenty years ago. So. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad at all. The beer guys at Soldier Field, they didn't, they never even made it into the they never even made it into the uh, stands. They just had to stand in the concourse. People came right up to them. That's amazing. Chicago is a beautiful place, isn't it?
2: Um. So anyhow, we have the rubber game uh, this this uh, this this evening. We have Rick Porcello opposing Sonny Gray. Um, this has already been a super exciting series. We're going to see who takes it right now. But as fun as the Tuesday game was, the Wednesday game was fun, but it was fun in a different way. Uh, it was horrifying in the first inning seeing David Price give up four runs and then leave with a sensation in his arm. Um, and then it was cool to see the Grand Slam and the Red Sox look like they were about to challenge and come back, um, but then it didn't end up amounting to anything. And then I have to mention the two fights that we uh, had. Um, so one fight, one one fight, yes, one one fight, one one it. verbal assault uh, from from Brock Holt. First thing I want to ask you guys about was that worthy of uh, Tyler Austin getting hit? Um by Joe Kelly, the the spike that he gave to, to Brockle. It looked pretty friggin' intentional to me.
3: It was a bad slide, but just stop throwing at people. I'm so sick of this.
0: It was a bad slide. I agree with Matt wholeheartedly. I don't like I like fights when other teams are involved, like the Arenado fight. I loved it because the Red Sox aren't involved. Um though I disliked them on principle. I think it wasn't so much the slide, uh, as much as Austin just getting up in Holt's grill after Holt, Holt said, <laughs> and he saw him look at him and goes, hey, fuck you. Um, and I think that more than, you know, once the bench is cleared, which was totally unnecessary in the first place. Yeah. I can't believe the bench is cleared for that. And I wonder, I, I hadn't thought about this now, but I wonder if the bench is clearing the first time was sort of an indication that there was bad blood to begin with, which doesn't mean that the slide was intentional or not. It just meant that it might've been a powder keg, before then. Um so especially after the Yankees got their asses kicked at the game Jake was at. Uh I I know I'm not the only one. I was tired and after Hembry I literally turned I after the Grand Slam I went to sleep, but after Hembry struck out Austin without a problem because Austin cannot hit righties, I was like, oh good, this is over. And I woke up and saw this nonsense.
2: I, I think uh, Manny Machado was probably watching all this and just uh, Instagramming himself in, like, pinstripes because he would like nothing more than to join this nonsense on the Yankees' side, I think.
1: I
3: uh, I don't know, but I want to go back to that
2: first ventures Clearing
3: thing. Did you guys see the video and just, like, the two-second clip of Devers running over to Holt? When that happened, yes. it was it was incredible. He had no idea what was going on, but he was like <laughs> pre, he was pretty psyched to be involved. He kind of just looked over, he's like, "Ooh, something's happening." You're- I mean, I, I this just is, love that
0: guy. he looked like the fat kid running over to like, there's like something's happening. He's like, "Ooh, what is?" <laughs> I didn't notice until scrappy, you though. posted it. Yeah, it was great. It was uh, awesome. D- but the best thing, look, if we're gonna have a fight, it's hard to have a better one than the joke. Joe Kelly, like Christian Vatica is clearly not stopping Austin. They're ready for the fight. And Joe Kelly's saying, no, 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 come on, let's do this. Yeah, That was great.
3: Yeah, Austin wasn't sure if he was going to go out and then Kelly egging him on. See, I love the fight, which I shouldn't. I mean, it's stupid and sort of barbaric or whatever, but the fighting is fine. It's just everything that leads up to the fight is always dumb and stupid and shouldn't happen. So I don't really know how we get the fights without the other stuff, but... I'm just sick of people throwing it uh, throwing at
0: hitters. I mean, <laughs> I maintain that if the Yankees were really as a team pissed off, Gary Sanchez. I mean, we know he fights dirty, and obviously, Judge. I mean, it seemed like Judge just wrapped up Kelly and was like, two seconds away from just sticking out his arms so that and turning in circles so that nobody could <laughs> get near them. Like, just stop it. Like, those guys have the power to dictate whether everyone fights. Almost. Um Ryan, I have
2: to ask why the hell do you have such a strong suspicion that Gary Sanchez fights? Did you Gary? see the
0: fight against the Tigers? He
3: had that sucker punch last year. He I did, did have
2: that sucker punch, but like you describe Gary Sanchez like he's a trained assassin on this <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. Uh,
0: he's he is. He's a yeah, Yankee. He <laughs> does it. But my theory, my theory for tonight, especially with Pointer to the DL, which we're going to get to, is they should just call up Jeremy Barfield just to put him on the bench. Oh, a little muscle. <laughs> I love him it. Around. Just have him. Dude, but let's
2: be honest. If there's any team getting into a fight with the Yankees, you automatically lose. I mean, Joe Judge... well, that's
3: what Holt said yeah. after the game. They, say, I forget what they asked him, but— um... He was basically just like, yeah, I didn't really want to fight them. Have you seen them? They're huge.
2: Yeah, it's it's absurd <laughs> yeah. the size of yeah. the Yankees. So like, I was just I was happy that it stopped where it did. I, and Joe Kelly reportedly, I think Matt, you told me this, best athlete on the team. Um, so I was kind of I was kind of excited whoa. to see uh, Joe Kelly. I didn't tell start you that. I have no idea where that came from. I mean, was it you, Brian? Someone told me this. <laughs> I did not. Yes. So I have heard from someone. I can't remember who. That Joe Kelly is actually like one of the fastest and strongest guys on the team.
3: He's wiry. I can see I can see him being a good athlete. I don't buy for a second he's a better athlete than like Mookie Pets, but I can see him being a good athlete.
0: Or JBJ. I'd say those two.
2: Well, JBJ was brutal at the plate. Let's talk about price though. So price Goes down with an injury. We don't really know what the hell this injury is. It's been really weirdly reported. People are saying that it's not a big deal. It was just a sensation in his hand. Um, This kind of scares the shit out of me because we've all been sort of waiting for, you know, something to go wrong with Price's health because he had issues and he looked so good the first two starts. What do you guys make of this? It's definitely not great i mean exactly I, I don't know i just hear a
3: uh, weird sensation in a guy's throwing hand who has an elbow history and uh i don't understand why they're so they're so confident about it they don't seem worried at all which strangely makes me feel not worried because i, I just don't understand how they couldn't be worried and if they're not then it has to be fine they said that he had something like this in detroit a couple of years ago and he ended up making his next start and didn't have any problems with it again. And he has a magic elbow. So I guess that helps. I don't know. I don't under it. I'm just hoping it has something to do with the cold and he'll be fine for his next start. He threw today and they said he was all right.
0: The opposite for me. It worries me because it just, it seems like almost aggressively too aggressive with the, we think he's going to be fine almost to me uh, it's just speculation that they're saying it so he doesn't push back we'll see i mean we that's also if that's unfair to price i would say that his reputation precedes him in this instance and um i mean we'll see in three days or four days
2: what would you guys say to the uh, the chatter out there of people saying, yeah, it's really convenient that he came out of the game in the first inning after giving up four runs to the New York Yankees in a big spot, sort of continuing that narrative of David Price just shrinks from the spotlights on him?
3: Yeah, that definitely sounds like uh, something the Red Sox would do, just destroy their bullpen because uh, David Price didn't want to pitch anymore. That's That sounds right.
0: Hey, it put Bobby Pointer on the DL, so look, if, you know, you get two for one. <laughs> I really just wanted
2: to hear Matt get riled up about this, so that's why uh, I I'm, had to put I'm that
0: in I'm hollering over here, Jake. <laughs>
2: um, all right, so let's talk about the end of that game, though, because it was sort of a curious decision. At the end of the game, um, Cora decided to pinch hit for Sandy Leone when he had uh, both Ben Intendi, uh and Blake Swihart on the bench um guys this isn't really defensible is it
3: no it was was an awful decision i don't know i did anybody ask him about it after the game probably not i'm sure they were all asking about the fights i didn't see any quotes about it so i don't know if he gave his reasoning for it but i can't think of one good reason
0: jake let me just say one thing two things actually the first thing is that for all the talk of Cora having different processes, Farrell mm-hmm. is very Farrellian to say, I decided this number of days in advance, Benintendi is getting a day off. Now he also got the day off against the right. I guess Sonny Gray's a righty. I always think he's a lefty. Forget that, but inflexibility with regard to the day off, like it was his day off and he wasn't coming in. That's my only explanation for it. The other thing I have to say is that, <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to go eat dinner because it is being served right now. So uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully next time I can be on for the whole cast. But I would like to eat dinner with the children. What, and are, you, I will... what are you having for dinner, Brian? Yeah, that's the thing. She made some like lemon pasta, and it smells so good. And I'm so hungry. I'm gonna go eat it. God damn it! All right.
2: I know. Well, uh, that was Brian. So thanks, Brian. <laughs> Bye, guys. We'll see you next Bye, Brian. time. Brian. All right. So Yankee series uh, finishes up tonight. Um, but as Brian mentioned before he went to go eat dinner, uh, his boy Brian, uh, Bobby Pointer, I almost called him Brian Pointer, um, <laughs> that would make Brian so happy right now, uh, has landed on the DL as well. We haven't talked since Xander landed on the DL with a freak injury. I still can't get over how weird Xander's injury was with that slide and chipping his talus bone and all, all sorts of weird stuff. But uh, any thoughts on these two moves? It seems like Walden's going to get the call up for Pointer right now.
3: Yeah, Walden did get the call. Um, he's just, I mean, it's just another guy who can go multiple innings right now. Um, they have Brian Johnson as a reliever, for now at least, as a lefty. So sucks to see Pointer go down. I hope he's back soon. He was looking pretty good, but... um they needed a fresh arm, anyways. The Xander thing really sucks, and yeah, like you said, it was so weird. He didn't look hurt at all when he got out of that dugout at first, and then they kind of took the camera off him, and like 30 seconds later, the trainers were out there and he couldn't walk, and it just got worse with every step he took. Um, and then like you said, the chip bone, and they saying he's gonna be back in 10 to 14 days, which sounds insane but it's also crazy how quick people are to dismiss that and like everybody's saying that he's it's actually going to be more like six weeks or two months or whatever and i don't know i'm just so sick of people playing doctor like on twitter it drives me insane
2: yeah um i agree uh we we really don't know and it's his own body the one thing i will say is that this is this is a bone that doesn't get a lot of blood flow, so I guess that's a little bit of an issue. But it seems like... I don't know. It's it's just not as important a part of the body as, like, Xander Bogart's wrist injury. So I, I think if it's something that he's willing to play through in a couple of weeks, I think that he could probably come back. Um, you know, I have no clue. Um, like you said, not a doctor. But... Um, at least this is not a hand injury which is something that completely derailed him last year yeah definitely
3: um but still i don't really i don't think i want him playing through an injury um what foot is it
2: I um, either, I so know. he slid on his right side so it's his right foot so it's okay it's it's not the side that he uses for timing it's his back yeah foot.
3: that's well that's what i was thinking so I guess, I mean, like, I don't I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> like, I'm a total idiot when it comes to the stuff. I never really took science classes. When I did it in high school, I slept. So I don't know the stuff. I'm taking the doctor's words for it, that it's going to be a short stay. Um, but like you said, it's better than the hand, but it's still not great. And if anything, it kind of... Not that I totally believe in momentum, but I think it's kind of a thing, and it mm-hmm. kind of kills a little momentum because he was so hot at the plate. Um, but, I don't know, I'm a little worried about him, but not super worried.
2: Is it fair to say that early in the season, he was the biggest beneficiary to this whole aggressiveness change?
3: Yeah, probably, him or Hanley, although I think Hanley was just more being, having a healthy shoulder. Yeah. So yeah, I'd probably say it was Zander.
2: Yeah, and th- and that's what kills me too is you'd hate to see this stop Xander's momentum. Uh, he looked like he was on pace for far and away his, his best year, and although it was super early, uh, it sucks to not have him in the lineup, especially in this Yankees series. Like man, I, I was I was rocking my Xander Bogarts jersey when I got there on Tuesday, and I was just just a little bummed out that he wasn't there, but. Um, On the flip side of things, uh, Pomerantz has made a rehab start. and looks like he's going to be on the way back soon. Do you have any updates on Pomerantz, Matt?
3: He's making another rehab start, I want to say Saturday in Portland. I know it's in Portland. It's either this Saturday or something. Uh, No, I'm not. I think it's an afternoon game and I have to work. I don't know. I'm going on Monday when Pomerantz is not pitching. But, yeah, so he was – he was a little shaky in that first start. I think he had six walks, which isn't great. But um, I don't know. I try not to look too hard into rehab appearances, numbers. So they're hoping he's going to make one more rehab start. he be back in the majors. So hopefully that is what happens. And it looks like it's uh, Friday that he's making the start, not Saturday.
2: Okay. So I guess, you know, good a time as any if you need to skip Price for Pomerantz to be coming on his way back.
3: Yeah, um, they did release that plan. Um, they said Caso Velasquez is scheduled to start Saturday right now. But if they need him tonight, um, then they'll use Johnson on Saturday. Okay. And then whoever doesn't pitch out of those two would pitch on Monday if Price can't go.
2: So that's his role, baby.
3: Him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he looked good. He was like the only guy who looked good last night.
2: Yeah, he did. He's been really solid. All year, every time he's gotten in the game, I've been impressed with Brian Johnson. So, uh, seems like he's going to be a real asset to the team this year. Yeah, um, he's not super dominant, but he gets it done. Yeah, yeah. Good location and, uh, knows how to pitch. So, um, Red Sox off to a 9 2 start. And I think that when there's this whole idea, and, uh, I, you know, I've been listening to other podcasts, hearing people talk about this too, but it's something that's been written about a lot, uh, on our site, on Baseball Prospectus, a lot of places, but the idea of banking wins early as being just as important as getting wins at any other time in the season. And right now, the Red Sox sit at nine and two. Red, uh, you know, they're going against the Yankees. The Yankees are six and six right now. That perceived gap between those two teams before the season has essentially been erased at this point with just the games that have occurred so far. So with the Red Sox off to such a great start this year, should we change our expectations for the team in regards to the division and sort of what we expect from them?
3: I mean, I guess it depends what your expectations were, right? Right. I never really saw the division as this like automatic Yankees win like a lot of people do. Um, So I still think that they're going to be neck and neck pretty much all year. And I picked the Red Sox to win by like a game or two, and I still think, uh, I still think that's what's gonna happen. So I don't, know, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, there's no point going back to preseason predictions, but it's just so crazy to me that everybody was kind of not writing off, but like putting the Yankees definitively over a core that's won two straight division championships and is coming back pretty much the same team. So this is, I mean, their their record is better than. I expected, but they're playing about as well as I expected them to this year.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I also predicted the Red Sox to win the division. I thought the pitching staff would carry them, and I thought the lineups were close enough that, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be as big an advantage as a lot of people thought. And I think that, you know, there's a lot to this notion that people were giving the Yankees pitching staff A little too much credit. And I think, you know, um, Severino had a great year last year. Let's not take anything away from him. He made adjustments. He's a good pitcher now. Um, But we clearly saw that the Red Sox can get to him. Uh, And then Tanaka, you know, he wasn't all that impressive. He looked good for a stretch, and then he gives up that big home run. So. I think with Tanaka, he's a little bit trick-or-treat, and you don't know what you're going to get from Sabathia. There's a lot of question marks in that rotation, and I think even with the Red Sox injury issues, there's still more certainty within that rotation.
3: Yeah, I like the Red Sox rotation more, but I like the Yankees rotation a lot too. I I think Tanaka's awesome. That splitter is gross.
2: It's no Otani splitter, though. (laughs) Well,
3: nobody's Otani. Oh, suspension news. Uh-oh. Uh, six games for Kelly, five for Austin.
2: Okay, okay. Popping off right when we're on the podcast. This is good <laughs> timing. Um, all right, so let's switch gears here a little bit. Let's talk about the minor leagues, um, something that we try and do every time we're on this podcast. I can't believe the amount of shit that's happened in a week, though, dude. So We we haven't talked in a week, and it seems like everything has occurred. Um, but... One of the things that did occur was Michael Chavis uh, was banned for 80 games for violating the substance abuse policy, uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Um, This is kind of disappointing uh, in in a number of levels. So uh, we already talked about this last week, that it was a little bit disappointing that both Groom and Chavis were going to be starting the year on the DL. And then knowing that Chavis isn't going to be back for 80-some-odd games is pretty disappointing for a guy who just last week on the show you remarked i mean his only standout tool is power at this point and he gets popped for performance enhancing drugs
0: yeah
3: tell me about it i live in portland the Sea dogs just got infinitely more boring yeah um yeah it sucks i don't know there's definitely going to be a perception that last year's breakout was because of the pds i have no idea if that's fair or not i think it's worth mentioning that they get tested the season too and he didn't fail any tests during the season but um either way it sucks it's hard to buy his excuse that it was like an unknown substance or he took something it's plausible but it's just the thing that everybody says when they get popped and there's no way that everybody's telling the truth so at this point you kind of just have to assume everybody's lying so hopefully they'll be able to come back and still be the same guy Um, but there's really no positive spin you can put on this
2: yeah there's no positive spin at all I mean you don't get to see the guy play he doesn't get time to progress as a player and then also you gotta think that his trade value is gonna take a little bit of a hit from this
3: oh absolutely I kind of looked at him if they needed to make a big trade this summer he was kind of the guy and uh, now it's now I don't know who it is
2: Yeah, Uh, you know, especially with Groom not pitching yet. um, Do you know when Groom is supposed to be able to come back from the DL? Has anybody decided how long this flexor strain is going to take?
3: I haven't seen anything since it was first announced. But when it was first announced, they were saying kind of like the end of the month. So I don't think it's – it hasn't gotten worse at least. At least nothing's come up publicly to say that.
2: Uh, A Rough system looks uh, a little bit rougher here so one of the things that I was doing before we got on the show Matt is I was looking up the minor league teams for the Red Sox that are playing right now and uh, looking at their records and man I have to say um, last week when we talked about this I said Pawtucket and Salem would be worth watching you agreed with Salem thought Pawtucket might be okay um, all the teams have been sucking so far except Salem Salem six and one. They look like a powerhouse right now. They have that sick rotation. They've got a lot of really good position players. Um, Salem looks good, but every other level looks like shit. What's going on?
3: Yeah, I don't really look at minor league records to be honest too. I mean, I have to do the I do the box score recap every day, and I do I couldn't even tell you what their records are. I don't really. You're I guess Well, <laughs> I got that from what you were saying. But... <laughs> I, look at, I mean, I look at the player performances, and right. they have a ton of standouts, but I don't know. It's nice to have winning minor league teams, but it's not like the end of the world if you don't.
2: So uh, I will say this, though. I think Pawtucket is only going to get better, especially as they get guys coming back. Velasquez should be back at some point, you know, barring health of the team, and um, Rusni Castillo is playing pretty well for them. I think they should be at least a decent-ish club.
3: Uh, i don't know man that lineup's not that
2: impressive it's not that good but it's also not that bad i guess it depends how you feel about sam travis well yeah i like sam travis a lot more than you do but sam travis is off to a putrid start as it is um but one of the things i wanted to do was sort of point out a few of the guys so far who have been huge positives uh in the minor leagues um there's no one to point out who's had a positive start at AAA, so I'm just going to pretend that Pawtucket doesn't exist right now. Um, also, AAA to me, sort of the least exciting level of baseball, so I don't really care. Um, AA, uh up in Salem – I'm sorry, up in Portland. Um, Esteban Quiros, uh who you're going to be able to see a bunch of times this year, currently has a 1,271 OPS. Um, he's slashing 333, 462, 810 right now. Uh, absolutely crushing the shit out of the ball, and it seems like every time you post one of those minor league lines, he's featured.
3: Yeah, he had a. I think he's too good for Double A. That's kind of what I'm getting. Um, he hit two home runs. Last night, Wednesday night. I don't yeah. know. I don't know when people are listening to this. So Wednesday Friday. night, he had two people home
2: runs. People be listening this Friday, so yeah. Yeah.
3: Um. Yeah, I'm going to see him hopefully on Monday, Patriots Day. I don't think I'm going to see him after that. I feel like he's going to get promoted to Pawtucket pretty soon. Um, He's... Let me look up. I want to say he's like 26. I was a little surprised he was in Portland at all. Yeah, he's 26.
2: And he was playing in the equivalent of AAA last year and dominated.
3: Yeah, the Mexican League, right. um, which is where Hector Velasquez came from too. So I think they kind of... We're crowded on the infield in Triple A, which is why he's in A right now, but um, he's exciting. He's gotten those kind of Dustin Pedroia comps, which everybody loves to give, and they're always ridiculous, so I don't think he's that good, but he's definitely the most exciting position player in Portland right now, which doesn't say a lot, but it's something.
2: We have to give some props where props are due, because this Dombrowski regime has been really good at scouting out Mexican League talent.
3: That was, yeah, that was a focus for them, um, and it's working. That's not, really a, that's not really a place where a lot of teams are scouting, and I bet that's going to change soon, especially if uh, Kiro's has some success in the majors.
2: Yeah, yeah, it seems like they're they're exploiting a resource that not a lot of people are focusing on right now. The other guy I wanted to focus on who's up in your neck of the woods is Cole Sturgeon. Right now in the early going, he's got a 913 OPS. He's been hitting the shit out of the ball. Um, looks pretty good
3: yeah he's uh repeating the level he's twenty six um, I don't know I'm not super it's nice. He had a he got some time with the major league team in spring training too so I don't think he's really anyone to keep an eye on but it's he's playing well so that's cool.
2: All right let's move down to the sexy level of Red sox minor league ball, which is high a Salem um three guys i wanted to point out plus another guy you mentioned um brett netzer uh pick in last year's draft currently has an 800 ops uh he's a college bat uh, pretty advanced uh, but he's certainly handling the level well and then uh two guys we were really excited about last week bobby dahlbeck 942 ops so far he's been hitting a lot of home runs uh and darwinson hernandez five innings pitched with six k's so far Um, Those guys have all been great. But the other guy you mentioned was Daniel Gonzalez, who's been really good for them.
3: Yeah, so uh, Gonzalez is a guy who doesn't have great scouting reports. But he kind of jumped on my radar last year. He bounced around between Greenville and Salem. And he bounced between the rotation and the bullpen. But he was good pretty much wherever they put him. And he's been on piggyback duty this year. Um, coming out of the bullpen, but pitching four or five innings. You love those and guys. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I think he's well. I, I mean, in the minors, it's more they don't have room for him in the rotation, but they want to pitch a bunch of innings. So, but uh, he's this year. He has eight innings, 14 strikeouts, and one walk. And yeah, that pretty is big. pretty awesome. Yeah. So, I've I've never seen him. I don't know what his stuff looks like. I don't know a ton about him, but the numbers are intriguing, and he was someone I had an eye on coming in. So that was exciting. Uh, Netzer is a future bench player, probably. He's not super exciting, but he's got a decently high floor. Solid hit tool, not much power. Um, Dahlbeck, I think I said last week, I'm not as high on him, I think, as you are. Mm -hmm. The swing and miss is kind of concerning. He's got... Let's see, he's struck out in a third of his plate appearances this year, so... He's kind of doing the all-or-nothing thing, and it's working right now. I don't know how much longer it's going to last. And uh, what was the other one? Hernandez, right?
2: Uh, Darwin's in, yep.
3: Yeah, he made one start. I didn't see any reports on him. Um, The numbers were okay. The command wasn't great, but he didn't give up a lot of hits. Um, I'm really interested to know how much he's using that slider that he debuted in his last outing of the year last year. I think that's uh, going to be the key to see whether or not he makes that next step. But uh, he's the guy in Salem that I'm most excited about.
2: I can see all three of those individuals that we just talked about Darwins and Hernandez, Bobby Dahlbeck, and Brenton Netzer eventually moving up to uh, Portland this year. Certainly Dahlbeck and Darwinson. And...
3: See, I don't know about. Actually, Hernandez is older than I thought, he's 21. I don't know. I kind of feel like Hernandez, if he does, it would be like the very end of the year. Mm-hmm. But I think it, they're going to take him a level at a time, unless he just like goes bananas. I could see Netzer and Dahlbeck getting a call though.
2: So l- let me just defend Dahlbeck a little bit here. And I get that you don't like the all or nothing approach that he has. And he's certainly as close to a three true outcomes player as you can probably find in the minor leagues. But I think that Dahlbeck has an advanced enough eye at the plate that. He's able to identify what pitches he needs to attack. And, you know, he played Pac-10 baseball at a high level. Um, I think that this guy is a little bit better than maybe we're giving him credit for. And I think that maybe he won't. we won't really know what he is, I think, until he gets to AAA and he actually sees consistent breaking pitches.
3: Yeah, it's fair. I definitely have a bias against his type, so I'm probably always going to be lower on him than I probably should so that's worth keeping in mind I think it's uh it's always important to notice your blind spots and your biases he's definitely one of them
2: well one guy that you're not blind about and the last guy that we'll talk about tonight is uh CJ Chatham who is still down at Greenville who I think is we both think is not long for that level and certainly if he keeps hitting like this he's going to be up in uh Salem very soon but He's got a 959 OPS so far in the early going. He looks good.
3: Yeah, not a ton of extra weight hits, not a ton of walks, but he's putting the bat on the ball. He's getting hits. Um, again, this is one of those things it's hard to know just from the box score, especially at the lower levels. You have no idea how many of his hits are because, I mean, I don't know if you watch low-level minors. I used to go to spinners games all the time. Yeah, defense is so bad. Oh, yeah. So, So it's hard to know. If he's just benefiting from bad defense or not but uh, the numbers are good he's a guy that ideally would be a quick mover so this is a good start i would hope he's in salem in about a month
2: yeah i think that's a that's a fair benchmark to expect from him especially being as high a pick as he was Um, but it's nice to see the guy healthy you know he's had leg issues since he pretty much was drafted so it's nice to see him getting some reps in the early going yeah for sure all right, so that concludes the Miners recap right now, but we are going to move on to listener questions before we close out the show today. Uh, Tom Pringle, friend of the podcast, asks us, Baseball God said the Red Sox will win the World Series this year, but you have to sacrifice one of the starting lineup. Do you do it? Who do you sacrifice? <laughs> and he notes that Brock Holt does not count as part of the starting lineup. Uh, where are you going with this one, Matt?
3: Um, what does he mean, sacrifice? Like
2: Kill? I'm not, I I'm, I'm just guessing like he means omit from the lineup for the rest of the year. I'm not thinking that Tom really wants to murder. Any of these guys. <laughs> well, I was gonna say if, if you're talking like sacrifice them to the gods, then I'm not <laughs> doing that.
3: That's a little
2: extreme. <laughs>
3: let's let's um, go with
2: uh just they can't play. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I would because do they're that. dead. Let me. Who would I pick?
3: <laughs> I guess Vasquez. Vasky? So they have two other catchers
2: oh yeah baby blake swyhart time <laughs> yeah i guess i don't really know what the other answer would be i'm definitely not taking hanley out no you're definitely not taking hanley i don't even think that's in the discussion right now well
3: uh, i guess they win the world series no matter what right so it's not really about the results it's just about aesthetics
2: right yeah i guess yeah i'd
3: still play
2: you know, I was all prepared to go JBJ because of how frustrated I am with his uh, cold streak, but I'm going to go Vasquez too. You I'm want to be, a, yeah, I don't want
3: to lose that defense.
2: No, I want to watch it, even though yeah. he's terrible to watch the plate sometimes. Uh, and the, the, the fringe benefit for me is I get to see more Blake Swihart. So uh, that, is, that is a very good fringe benefit. Uh, next question here comes from Brian Pickett, and he says Does Dempster still have the dumbest reason for hitting a player with a pitch? Uh, I don't remember this at all. Oh, you don't remember this?
3: No. What is this? This is like the lowest moment. I don't remember what year it was, but this was when A-Rod got suspended and he was appealing it and playing and the Red Sox decided to send a message for no apparent reason because he was appealing that suspension.
2: This must have been 2012, right?
3: Something like that. Somewhere around there. But he missed like two or three times and then he finally hit him. And then the next at bat... uh, Arod rod came up and just destroyed a home run off him <laughs> it, it was just awful so yeah i can't think of anything dumber than that
2: yeah that sounds pretty dumb and now that you are uh, saying it i do remember people actually gunning for a rod after all that stuff came out and i thought it was pretty stupid and pretty hypocritical uh when they were doing that so yeah i think I, i'm with you uh next question comes from thick Porcillo, great handle um, and he says, what's the move for the Red Sox in the event of a long-term injury for Price? Uh, is it Sale, Porcello, Rodriguez, Pomerantz, Johnson to the rotation? Does Stephen Wright even get into the mix? And then our next question from Caleb Phelps is about Stephen Wright as well. So let's kind of take these together. I think this is worth exploring because in the worst-case scenario, Price is a Tommy John guy. So what happens?
3: I think Wright, one. When healthy would get a shot just because of the veteran i mean when in doubt i think it always goes to the veteran plus johnson has is already at that point would be moving back and forth between the rotation of bullpen so it would be it would make more sense to start him in the bullpen but i don't think that Wright would get a very long leash
2: yeah um I don't know how impressed I am with Wright at this point. I mean, he's been good. He's been bad. He's been inconsistent. Um, I like what I've seen from Johnson. I'd probably feel more comfortable with Johnson as the fifth in that rotation in the event that, you know, you're going to need to stick with one guy for the rest of the year. I'd probably rather have him than Stephen Wright, but I get what you're saying.
3: You don't have to stick with one guy for the rest of the year, though. (laughs) I think that's the most important point.
2: But I'd like to.
3: Yeah, but I don't know. I think I would probably go with Johnson too, but I think the team will go with Wright at first.
2: Okay, that's fair. Um, two Minute Warning says, he's getting a little annoyed by the Alex Cora decisions. Is that fair? Benching Benintendi for Mitch Moreland after Boston had two days off in less than a week, then pitch hitting Sandy Leone over him being the latest example. Um, I agree. He may be taking this uh, this rest stuff a little too far. I mean... Ben amazing. And especially after the game he had on Tuesday, I don't know why you take your foot off the throat of the Yankees and not play him on Wednesday. I think,
3: well, to answer the first question, it's fair to be annoyed because you are either an adult or not an adult, but I'm going to assume you're an adult because it's easier. And I'm going to say you can do whatever the hell you want two-minute warning. <laughs> I'm not your dad. But um, as far as the, it would be maybe I am shit. (laughs) Um, but as far as benching guys, I don't love it, but I think there's something to be said about having a plan and sticking to it. Cora, very clearly, believes in resting his guys, and he said before yesterday's game that it's not even as much about resting guys as it is about getting everybody else playing. Because you need guys like Mitch Moreland and Brock Holtz and all these guys to get their plate appearances because you're going to have injuries pop up and you don't want them hardly playing before those injuries and then suddenly having to go into an everyday role. You kind of want them to get into a little bit of a rhythm at least. So, um. I didn't love seeing Benettendi on the bench, but Cora has his plan. He's sticking to it. He's presumably communicating with the players and telling them a few days ahead of time that you're getting this day off. So Benettendi was already ready for it. I think that people are justified to be annoyed, but maybe taking it a little
2: too far. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think there is something to sticking to your plan uh, when it's still April. You know, the calendar hasn't even flipped till May, and uh, it'd be kind of early to start abandoning the plan. Um, I will say, though, I have been thinking about Mitch Moreland signing with the team since his playing time has been cut so drastically. And I wonder how beneficial the few at-bats that he is getting is going to be to him uh, this year? You know, is it really keeping him sharp? I don't know if this is enough to keep him sharp. And then the other question I had is you know, with, with some of the depth they have in the minor league system, if you're not going to be playing Moreland and you could get something for him at the deadline, why would you keep him on the team at this point? Is especially if Hanley's playing well. I I don't know. It's It seems sort of like a move where Moreland probably thought he was going to have a lot more playing time than he's actually getting.
3: Well, it was definitely kind of like uh, in case they didn't get Martinez. Um, They could trade him at the deadline. They can't trade him until, I think, June 15th is the date they can trade free agents. Um, But, I don't know. I think he likes it here. I think there's something to be said about that. I think they like him, and he likes it here. I think When he signed, there was an understanding that if they did get J.D. Martinez, he wasn't going to be playing a ton, especially if Hanley was playing well. So, I don't know. I don't think he's going to be too upset about it. I don't think that they would be able to get much of anything for him at the deadline. I mean, I've come around on Moreland. I like him as a dude, and he's a fine player, but he doesn't have a ton of trade value
2: no he doesn't but to another contending club I think it could be valuable with a little bit of pop off the bench and some some decent defense but I guess you could say may as well just be kept on the Red Sox because we expect well the, the thing Sox is if you
3: if you're trading them to a contender what are you getting back you're not getting right. anything back to help you this year because they're contenders too
2: right yeah that's true Um, Next question comes from Santiago Aragon. He says, should the Joe Kelly statue be made of pure gold? Matt, what say you? Uh,
3: Sure, the Red Sox have money. I'm always in favor of the owners uh, taking a little more money out of their pocket.
2: Mm, I'm going to poo-poo this one. Um, If a Joe Kelly statue is going to be made, it needs to be made of a metal that's comparable to the career that Joe Kelly has had to this point. And uh, even though he did carry himself admirably yesterday. Uh, I'm going to say bronze is the best material he's earned at this point.
3: Sure. I don't know anything about medals. I'll go with that.
2: Yeah. All right. Roy Jacobs is next. He says, am I allowed to be against Price's contract exclusively because in year three, he has just two starts giving up three runs or less to the Yankees?
3: Oh, like I said, the two minute warning, you can do whatever you want. You're a grown ass
2: ass man, Roy.
3: (laughs) Maybe. I, I don't know you, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I think that's absurd, but it's baseball. I don't care what you do. As long as you're not like actively hurting somebody, I'm not going to tell you how to root for the team. Just don't, don't at me about it all the time, please.
2: Rush, my stop, only request. stop doing that. Um, Matt Lebeau is our next question. He asks Brock Holt or Sue Lin, uh, this is a really interesting question, in my opinion, because Brock Holt has done nothing uh, to impress me this year. You know where I stand in Brock Holt and the bat and all this nonsense. Uh, I would rather have sue a. Lin playing, and I know you just wrote an article saying the same thing. So, for me, it's sue a. Lin.
3: Yeah, I think he definitely deserves a shot. Um, a few people have made the point, to me, which I think – I'm not even sure I agree, but I think it's interesting – that when everyone's healthy it makes more sense to have holt as the guy on the major league bench with lynn kind of playing every day in the minors uh, not so much because he's a great prospect and needs like that development time as an everyday player but he's still kind of working to be that brock holt uh versatility guy lynn has played a little bit of center field but not a ton so For now, I would like to see Lynn playing more than he is. He still hasn't gotten a start since Sanders been out. But once Bogarts gets back, I kind of want to see Lynn go back to Pawtucket and play at least half of his games in center field and get him ready for that role. And if Holt is still struggling so much in like July, then you make the change.
2: I think that's a good point. One of the things I've been talking about, or talking about to. To other people, I guess, is um, the idea of when Pedroia and Xander both come back. It does seem like Brock Holt at this point would be the guy who gets bumped. Would you agree with that? Yeah, if everyone
3: else is healthy. I don't know. I guess it would be either him or...
2: Or Swihart. Or Leon. Or Leon, yeah.
3: But it's definitely... Swihart's another guy. It's very strange that he's not playing at all
2: he should be getting more playing time yes i just wrote that the other day too it's very weird i don't really have an explanation for it it's going to be interesting to monitor i did aggressively yell at blake Swihart while i was at the game i mean all positive things
3: um i would have been very embarrassed if i was with you
2: <laughs> thank you um luckily it was just my wife um maggie vt which i guess stands for vermont probably uh, in the end, it was David Price worth it? And really gung-ho about the signing, wondering how much of it was smoke and mirrors. I, I think we probably answered that, right? Like, we both think that the David Price signing at the time was the right idea and that he had a good 2016 and, you know, he got injured. It's...
3: I don't know. I think it's fair to say all of these things. It was a good signing at the time. I'm mostly confident in him. I'm glad he's on the team. He probably hasn't been worth his contract. I think all of those are fair statements.
2: Yeah, I would agree with all of those things. So I don't have a ton to add. (laughs) Uh, Timothy Tim says, uh, why haven't we just settled on that Martinez will only be a DH? He doesn't feel comfortable with him in the left. He doesn't want to hurt his feelings, but taking Ben out of the lineup, blah, blah, blah. blah. Basically, he's saying that Martinez's defense... Is not good, um, and that we should not be playing him in the outfield at all. Considering that when it's Benintendi, Betts, and Bradley, the outfield is exceptional defensively.
3: Yeah, I get it. I'm so sick of it already. Not Martinez in the outfield. He is bad. He is like he's worse than I thought, and I knew he was bad. Um, but I the complaints make him sound like it's me. <laughs> playing on field it, it's it's not that bad the last night the gary sanchez home run that martinez uh lost in the lights if one more person like uses that as example of bad defense i'm gonna lose my mind like the guy lost it in the lights right I, people do that it looks really ugly but that has nothing to do with defensive skills there are so many other plays you can point to i don't know i mean I would love if he was only a DH, but he clearly signed with the understanding that he's going to play some outfield. And if you're, you're two weeks into this contract, you're not going back on that word yet. We're just going to have to live with it.
2: Yeah. And and I think that if it, if slightly worse defense comes at the expense of getting guys extra rest so that they feel better towards the end of the season, I'm okay with this. Uh, And you know what? It is to be it fair, is.
3: I don't. I don't think. I'm. I don't think it's slightly worse defense. He, he's bad.
2: <laughs> he might be bad, but Manny was bad too, man.
3: Yeah, that's the other thing. Martinez has to get used to the wall. He's. I mean, there's been a couple plays. He he doesn't know how to play the wall yet, which is understandable. He just got here, but yeah, it's ugly.
2: He will figure it out. Yeah, he'll, he'll get better. He'll get. He'll be better than he is right now.
3: You made a couple of nice plays last night. Well, decent plays. You had to move a little bit.
2: Well, well at least we know we can move. Um, all right, so with that, that concludes the podcast today. If you enjoyed the podcast, please follow us. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere where you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at, at DevJake. You can follow Matt on Twitter at MattRYCollins. Uh, log on give us a rate and review and uh, let us know what you think and thank you for joining us we'll be with you next week